chapter 5 and verse 25, we will begin to read down through verse 34. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Probably most everybody, if not everybody in the room today has heard this before. Let's look at it afresh. Let's look at it anew. This is part two of a series of messages we're calling From Desperation to Deliverance. And you'll see why we have that title as we read this story. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years... And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. We're looking at this story to pick apart some very important points and facts that we need to learn. I have mentioned last week several things that we will just quickly reiterate this morning to tie last week with this week. But of course, one thing that we need to understand is there's about 19 or 20 different individual cases of healings in the four Gospels. It may seem like there's more, but you understand that some of the writers recorded something that others had already recorded. But there's about 19 or 20 different instances of supernatural divine healing in the four Gospels. Each one of those were given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. They're important to study and to learn because we glean and learn so many good things from each one. John testified in his writings that in John 21, 25, that if all that Jesus did were recorded, written down, that he thought that perhaps the world wouldn't contain the books. And so there were a lot of more healings than what we just have recorded in the four Gospels. Many, many more people who got miracles. But these are recorded for our benefit. The Holy Spirit saw fit to bring these to us to learn from them. And this one in Mark 5, verses 25 through 34, is one of the most powerful and informative ones in all of the Bible. This is not a story of something that happened to somebody long ago that has no bearing on me today or on you today. This is a story that did happen and it did happen long ago, but the great spiritual principles and the great truths concerning faith and power, the two ingredients for miracles, those principles are just as valid today for every one of us as they were for this woman on that day. She had been sick for 12 years. That's a long time to be sick. She had an issue of blood as it as it's referred to here in the King James meaning, of course, that she was continually wasting away her strength and her energy completely uh, being uh, drained slowly but surely. And if she had not gotten her healing, no doubt she would have died. She not only had been sick for 12 years, but the Bible says she suffered many things of many physicians. We don't know what all they might have tried to do in those days, but evidently it was not a pleasant process. 
and to add insult to injury, she went broke doing so. And so here she is, incurable. She is weakened. She's looking at a certain death as far as the natural is concerned. And she now has no money left. She is, she's a beggar, basically. And yet, on top of all of that, she is by Jewish ceremonial law unclean, quote, unquote, and therefore needing to always stay quarantined. And even when she gets around people that are not also unclean, she has to actually speak out the word unclean to let people know. Because if they touch her, they too will become unclean. So, It's almost like that this is just about as hopeless and helpless as anybody could ever get into. And I know that when we get in trouble, and we've all been there, and by the way, teaching and preaching faith is not teaching and preaching you'll never have trouble. It's teaching and preaching the way out of trouble. Amen. And so uh, everybody has been in trouble in here, I'm sure. And there are probably some of you that have been in situations that absolutely you just didn't know the way out. You just didn't know how it was going to work. You didn't know how this was going to come about, that God was going to get glory and that you were going to be healed or your need was going to be met or whatever the case may be. But aren't you glad we do serve a God of miracles? Amen. Aren't you glad that, that, that the circumstances you might be looking at today, that's not the end of the story. There's been a story written, and it doesn't have a bad ending. It has a great ending, praise the Lord. And God loves you. God cares about you. God wants you blessed. He wants you healed. He wants you delivered. Religion, coupled with the devil, wants to tell people that, you know, you never know what God will do, and he might just make you sick. He might kill you. He might take your child. He might do this. He might do that. He might do the other thing. I'm here to tell you that that is not an accurate description of the God we serve. That's not the God of the Bible. And one of the first keys to receiving from God is really learning about his nature and character so that you can have an expectation that he is a good God. And I guarantee you today, he is a good God, and he wants to be good to you, praise the Lord. And so the first thing that happened to this woman that began the process of turning her life around was that she heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus, verse 27. Now this isn't something that she initiated, obviously. She she happened to hear. So somebody else initiated the telling of the story. And though we many times read this passage looking for the keys to how we can receive on an individual basis, I think it's very important for us to understand and remember that somebody told her about Jesus. Somebody testified. Somebody gave her an an accurate description of what was going on in the ministry of Jesus. And so my question to you again today is this. Who are you telling? Don't just assume everybody already knows. And and, and you know this is true. Don't just assume because people are saved that they know about divine healing. Or that they know how to get their prayers answered beyond salvation. Or that they know how to walk in the victory that God has provided. Most of us were born again. And then we, well not most of us, really all of us. We were born again and we had to learn how to have victory. You know you got the great victory of passing from death unto life, and you got the great victory of being made a new creation in Christ. But once you get that settled, there's a whole world to explore. And there's a whole new life to learn how to live, and it's based on the knowledge of the Word of God. 
And so somebody told this woman, thank God, aren't you, aren't you uh, just sure that she's so glad somebody told her about Jesus? And I just wonder how many people are out there that will be so glad one day after a while that you tell them about Jesus, that you're bold enough to say, you know, you don't have to suffer like this anymore. There is a miracle working, prayer answering God that loves you just as much Actually, Jesus told us this, that he loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. I mean, if that weren't in the Bible, if it weren't in red in the book of St. John, I, I don't guess I'd believe it. But Jesus said, he prayed to the Father, and he said, Lord, help them to know that you love them as much as you love me. And if he loves you that much, then I'll tell you, there's nothing you face or nothing you're going through that he will not fix for you. The whole thing revolves around how to make the connection. How to make the power connection. Faith plus power equals miracles. This woman understood that equation. She come to a revelation of what she needed to do. She wasn't a theologian, obviously. She wasn't a synagogue leader. That would not have been allowed in that day for a woman to do that. And so uh, she had just simply acted on what she heard. And so it's important because Romans 10, 17 says that that's how faith comes. It doesn't come when you pray for it. It doesn't come when you fast for it. It doesn't come because you don't smoke and chew and go with the girls that do. It comes because you hear the Word of God. So it becomes extremely important where you're getting your information. To whom are you listening? Who do you allow to speak into your life? When you open up your phone... Who is it that's talking to you? Is it some sleaze bag? Is it some griper, some complainer? Is it some political hack or clown? Is it some shyster trying to get money out of your hand into theirs through all kinds of various means? Who are you listening to? Who is it that's speaking to you the Word of God? In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, we're given a very powerful statement about uh, uh, this kind of thing. When he says over, in, I believe it's about verse 7, that we are to uh, remember them that have the rule over us who speak the word of God to us. People who aren't speaking the word of God to you don't have a right to have any kind of authority in your life. Just because somebody says, I'm Dr. So-and-so, Ph.D., you know, you have to ask what that's about. That may mean post-hole digger. I don't know. Uh, just because they have all kinds of initials at the end of their name, just because they have a robe on. You know, someday before I die, I think I need to preach in a robe just to see what it's like. I want to be able to raise my hand and there's this big thing hanging down, you know, there, looking all... Good. You, you could wave that way. Praise the Lord that way, you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just because they wear a robe, just because they speak religiously, you know, I don't know, you know. None of that means anything, really. But when someone speaks to you the Word of God, that you can actually go to your Bible and find it. Not their opinion, not what they feel, not what they think, 
But they actually take you to scriptures that you can look up and you say, hey, that's in the Bible. Those are the people that God would put in a place of authority in your life so that you can, as that verse says in Hebrews 13, you can follow their faith. You need people in your life whose faith you can follow. You need people who not only talk it, but they walk it and they live it and they have the benefits of it. And so that you can just do what they're doing. It doesn't mean you have to follow their, all their natural stuff. You don't have to like the same things for supper they like. You don't have to wear the same clothes they wear. You don't have to drive the same car they drive. But, but you can follow faith. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So somebody spoke to this woman. I know that I know we're moving slow through Mark 5. And I know you won't believe this, but I really thought that that I would I, this might be a one message, one Sunday message. But obviously I was mistaken. I don't know when I'll ever learn about that either, but it's okay. It's okay. Because we need these truths. If this woman in a hopeless situation could get such a miracle that changed her life from that point onward, then I want to know what she found out. I want to know what and how this worked for her. First of all, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, secondly, she chose to start saying some things. Now, um, in verses 27 and 28, it says, When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, that's through the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said. Now, if you uh, study that phrase, for she said, in the original, it means she kept saying. It's a continuous present tense verb in the Greek. So that means she didn't just say it once. She didn't just say it at church. She didn't just say it in her morning devotions. Now, all that's important. To speak the word in church, I mean, that's important. To speak the word in your morning devotions, that's important. Speak the word before you go to sleep at night, that's important. But she didn't just do it once a day or twice a day. She was continually saying this. Now, this is where a lot of people thinks, think that you're getting into the extreme. And you know what? They'd be right. I found that extreme blessing follows extreme confession and believing and praising where the word is concerned. And just be honest. Let's just be honest about things. You know people that they continually say stuff. It's just the wrong stuff. They're continually griping. They're continually complaining. They're continually sighing and moaning and looking for sympathy or comfort from somebody. They're constantly saying what they don't like. They're constantly telling you what's wrong with this and what, you know, what, what's not working about that. That's not a way to change anything. That's a way to keep having what you have. But this woman kept saying... If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So the word she heard brought hope to her life, which is the goal. And then faith gives substance to that which is hoped for, Hebrews 11.1. 1. So the word brought her hope, 
And the word also brought to her faith. And when it filled up her spirit enough, it spewed over and started coming out of her mouth. If you don't have enough faith to come out of your mouth, you don't have enough faith to come out of your trouble. If your faith will not move your mouth, it will never move your mountain. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We were there last week, but let's look at it again. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter, not chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to look at a few things here. These, these are all passages we are familiar with. Um, I, want to, um, I want to look at verse number 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith. Now Paul is quoting David from the Psalms here. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So he's saying, I know what David said, and because of what he said, I know what he did. He believed, that was his faith, and he spoke. That was his faith being released. And he's saying, here we are all these centuries later, and he says, we, and he's talking to believers, so this would even apply now, even 2,000 years after this was written, we, say that's me, we having the same spirit of faith. So notice there is a spirit of faith. We know the Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith, but you also can realize, can't you, that there is an attitude of faith. You've been around people with an attitude of faith. You've been around people who had an attitude of unbelief. If you're in that attitude of unbelief, if you're in the molly grubs, as we say, if you're in the complaining mode, then usually people with a spirit of faith really get on your nerves. Because they refuse to gripe with you. They refuse to sympathize with you. They refuse to say, yeah, I know, and try to top your bad news with some even worse news. They just don't play the game. They don't play the game. They just look at you. They just, they're nice. Maybe they smile. They try to change the subject. That's a really good hint. They're, trying to they're always trying to change the subject on you. They don't have the spirit of gripe. They have the spirit of faith. They don't have the spirit of unbelief. They have the spirit of faith. Praise the Lord. And this says, we having the same spirit of faith. So if you want what David had, you want a spirit of faith. If you want what Paul had, you want a spirit of faith. And all you have to do is read about the life of Paul and read about his experiences, and you'll find that he probably had ten times more trouble than anybody's ever had in this room. He had more opposition than you can, as we say, shake a stick at. I mean, one time, 40 men took a vow that they would never eat until they killed him. Now, I know you probably made somebody mad, but I figure they ate, didn't they? I mean, he had some really, really tough situations. Shipwrecked three times beaten with rods, several times beaten with the, the, the 39 stripes, save one, which sometimes history tells us just, just one beating like that would kill a man. I mean, if, 
if, if you were to be with him and, and he took off the, uh, his shirt or he took the robe down to wash himself, you pro- his back was probably just, just covered with those scars from all those beatings. He was, he was a brilliant mind, but he spent time in prison. He spent time in dungeons. He, he uh, had to make tents at certain points in time to supply himself with all the great things he did for so many of those wonderful churches that he established and all the scriptures that he wrote. He wrote to the Philippian church and he said, you're the only bunch that even supports me. So yeah, we really talk good about Paul now, and I'm sure he's got a wonderful place in heaven, and I'm sure he doesn't regret anything he did for Jesus on the earth. But if you would have been around with him while that was going on, it wouldn't have looked so glorious. And he said, we, in other words, he's saying, David and I, and you as a believer, we have the same spirit of faith. That's how he got through all that mess. That's how he came through victorious. And that's how you're going to come through victorious. We having the same spirit of faith. How does this work? Well, it works by believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. So when we hear the word of God, that's when Jesus is the author of our faith. He leads us with his word to those good places. But to follow Jesus in faith... You have to open your mouth and confess. To follow Jesus in faith, you have to say what Jesus said. I hope you never think about the term being a follower of Jesus the same way again. I hope from now on, from this day forward, you think about the phrase, I'm a follower of Jesus, in the terms of the fact that he is the author or the leader of your faith and that if I follow Jesus I've got to say what Jesus says if I follow Jesus I've got to say what Jesus says well how am I going to know what Jesus is saying I mean after all he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the father I don't see him physically and I don't hear his physical voice so how would I know what Jesus is saying well it's called the New Testament Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in 1342, in 1106, in 39 AD, in 1845, in 1813, we took a little trip down the... (laughs) You remember that song? Some of you remember that old song. He is saying today in 2022 exactly what he said and all those other dates I just quoted. Because he changes not. This word was God breathed. It was spoken. You know, you can't breathe. I mean, you can't speak without breath. God, God breathed this word. He spoke this word and holy men of old wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And it was written down so that we could then pick it up and speak it, re-speak it repeat it and represent Jesus and represent his word again and again and again. And so if I want to know what Jesus is saying, I just need to open the New Testament. He's saying the same thing now as he was then. So if I'm in need today, not just healing, but any kind of need that I may have, if I open my Bible to Philippians 4.19 and it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, guess what? That's what he's saying today. And when I lift that 
verse or those words off the page and I speak them out of my mouth, that's my faith speaking. And it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what other people say. I'm going to have what God's Word says I have. I look into the world we're in today and it's full of trouble. I don't remember in my lifetime, I'm 65 years old, I don't remember a more messed up time in my lifetime. I don't ever remember this nation being as torn apart, divided, messed up, and in the wrong direction as it is in today. And I do have enough smarts to know this. There is no political leader that can fix all this. There's no political party that can fix all this. There's no governmental program or administrative order that's going to fix all of this. The only thing that will fix lives is Jesus Christ and His Word. Amen. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And what we have to understand is the same thing that Paul knew. Not only did he have a spirit of faith, but Paul also understood that his salvation wasn't in Rome. Just like our salvation isn't in Washington. Our salvation isn't in Richmond or anywhere else. Our salvation is in God. Our salvation is in the Word of Almighty God. Paul understood that the answer wasn't in Rome. He understood that it was the spirit of faith that was going to take him where he needed to go. And that in spite of a world full of vice, immorality, degradation, and dishonesty, which was true 2,000 years ago, just like it is today, just in spite of all of that, the spirit of faith would help him rise above and live above all of that. You know, when, when you fly... When those who are pilots, I'm not a pilot, but you know, one of the things you want to do if you're going into some bad weather is your preferable way of dealing with it is to, is to go above it and fly over it. And maybe some of you have been flying before and you've looked out the window of that jet and you're up there at 35, 36,000 feet and you look down and there's lightning and there's dark clouds under there. You're above. And that's exactly what the spirit of faith will do for you. It will take you to a place above the mess. It doesn't mean you won't deal with stuff. It doesn't mean that you're not going to hear things, see things, and and all of that. But what it means is that at the end of the day, as we say, you're going to come out victorious. You are going to fly above that mess, and you're going to get to your destination safely, and God is going to get the glory because it's not because we're so smart. It's because God is so good. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this whole thing of confession is one of the most important aspects of the Christian life you can learn. And I don't blame the devil for fighting this so hard. He has tried to make there be so much confusion about confession. I mean, not only is the devil against it, not only are unbelievers uh, against it or, or don't understand it, but so many in the church world have been poisoned against it by Sometimes I'm sure well-meaning people who just don't understand how important that it, this is. But let me give you just a, one example of how important this really is. And that is, you didn't get saved without this. I mean, let's look in Romans 10 for a minute. I, I know most of you know this. Maybe all of you do, but it's okay to look again. Because these are basic things that you need to teach your children, you need to teach your neighbors, you need to teach your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever it may be. 
Every believer needs to know these things. Praise the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, chapter 10, and verse number 10, or verse number 8. <laughs> but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and, everybody say and. Yeah. Notice it's got to be both places at the same time. In thy mouth and in thy heart. That's a completed faith. Faith is incomplete if either of these are missing. If you're just saying good things, but you really don't believe them, then it's not going to work. And here's the thing that some people really get uh, kind of uh, surprised at. You can believe the right thing, and it still won't work. You've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That is what he calls the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as your Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man... Let's read verse 10 together, everybody. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if you study the word salvation, we don't have time to do it today, but you will find it's an all-inclusive term. It includes divine healing. It includes deliverance. It, it is an all-inclusive word, and certainly it does include spiritual salvation, deliverance from sin, being made a new creature, and getting to go to heaven instead of going to hell. It's all those good things. And it says that this comes by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. This woman we're talking about in Mark 5, I know you thought we forgot her, but here she is again. She would have died if she had not made some confessions. Could it be that the difference between a long life and not so long life could be the difference in your confessions? Could it be that your prosperity, your needs met, the bills paid, money in the bank, actually being able to be a blessing to people, actually needing to pray about what you give because you don't have to pray about your needs anymore. They're met. But you're praying about what to do with the surplus. Could it be that that is just the difference in many cases between what you're saying now and maybe what you need to start saying? This is very, very important. Very important. So confession is receiving God's Word, as we've already said this, but it's receiving God's Word and making it our own. It's in the heart of God. It's been sent to us. We've heard it, we believe it, we speak it, and that's when it's not only God's Word, but it's our Word as well. And what I mean by that, it, it, it now belongs to us. We didn't originate it, no, but, but we've accepted it. And then it begins to grow in your heart. Your problem needs an appropriate amount of faith to move it. So if you're really battling something and it seems very difficult to move, then double up. Double up on the Word. Turn off the television or, or turn it off sooner. Spend some extra time. And I'll tell you what will happen because I've done this. 
you will, you will start walking through scriptures and you'll start spending that extra time. And, and when you do, I would just, just a word of encouragement, get, you a, get, a, get, some no, get a notepad and a pen. Because what you're going to find is, even though there's scriptures you've read a hundred times, God's going to talk to you from that word. And you're going to learn and you're going to see things and things are going to be made real to you. It's just amazing. That's what we call revelation knowledge. And the truth is, your faith never will go further than your revelation knowledge of the Word of God. It's not a cursory uh, uh, reading of Scripture. It's study, reading, and meditating on the Word that brings us to a place of revelation knowledge. And that revelation knowledge is when that Word becomes real to you. It's kind of like, you know, uh, in this Bible here that I've got, um, you may not be able to see it, but some of those verses are in red. And we like those red letter editions because they put the words of Jesus in red. Well, let me tell you, when, when you read Philippians 4.19 and you study that and meditate on that so much that it becomes yours, it turns red. <laughs> Not literally on the page, but I mean, it, it's, your, it's your red letter. It, it becomes for you such a reality that nobody can talk you out of it. And you can grow in your faith and keep walking this out to the point where things that used to be a struggle are not even a struggle anymore. Your whole mindset, your whole believing uh, scheme, if you will, I mean that in a good way, your whole, the whole thing you're doing now with your faith is so far beyond where you started that, that you know, it's like those things, they're just, they're, they, that can't be any other way. I've already went past that thing. We're, we're, it's working. I'm on to something better, something greater, something more. So it's not a matter of just survival. It's not a matter of, oh, if I could just get rid of this pain or if I could just get rid of this disease, if this would change for me. You don't know. It's, it's, it includes getting rid of that. It includes getting healing. It includes getting the need met. But it's going on to places where those things are no longer even bugging us. And if they try, we quickly put the devil in his place. Remember that you know. Tell the devil, you know. Whenever that the angel came and talked to Mary, and she said, be it unto me as you have spoken. It's a powerful thing. That's really the same principle the woman in Mark 5 used. She heard about Jesus, and she just decided, well, that's the way it's going to be for me. I've heard about these other people getting a miracle. I've heard about these other people getting healed. It's my turn. Say it with me. Say, it's my turn. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's your turn to get, it's your turn to get all the bills paid and not be broke. It's your turn to get your body healed till you lie down at night and you're not in any pain. It's your turn to have peace of mind so you're not worried or afraid about anything. It's your turn. Say it with me. It's my turn. Hallelujah. You see, we're not waiting on God here. He's waiting on us. The written word needs sound. It needs to be put to sound. You know, sometimes when, um, when, when somebody writes something, uh, a songwriter, for instance, a poet, songwriter, psalmist, whatever word you might want to use, they, they come up with some lyrics, they come up with, with good words, and then 
then uh, either they or maybe they collaborate with somebody else and somebody else works on it, and we say they put it to music. Well, God's Word, that's the lyrics. They don't always rhyme, (laughs) but it's the perfect lyric. It's the perfect story. Now, we don't necessarily have to set it to music. You can But we do need to set it to voice or sound. You don't even have to have a beautiful voice. You don't have to be able to carry a tune. You don't have to know music. Just open your mouth and speak. Say what God says. The written word cries out, if you will, to be spoken. Proclamation is required. And I want to point this out. Don't be apologetic about it. If you're embarrassed... Go to the basement, go to the garage, go to the woods, go wherever. Uh, Go out to the car and put those little ear horns in that go down and somebody will think you're talking on the phone and just begin to talk to the devil. I mean, what do they know? What do they know? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. I can tell. (laughs) And um, don't be apologetic. Well, Lord, I really hope that you might try to help me out here. If I could just, if you could just take half of these burdens away from me, Lord. If I, if I could just get by here with this. You know, if I could just pay these bills. Why not believe to get them paid off and not have any bills? Wouldn't that be good? Hallelujah. I want to point this out because I may not get to it today in, in any detail. I don't know, but I am getting to it, so praise the Lord. Anyway, this is good. I want to encourage you to think about it. You don't have to make a commitment or anything. You do what you want to do. But I encourage you to make you an impossibility list that you laugh over and talk to every single day. And I'm serious. I'm not making a joke. You need an impossibility list, one, two, three, four, five things that every day you laugh over. And some days you're not going to feel like laughing over it. I can tell you that. I know by experience. You're not going to feel like laughing over it. So you're just going to go, ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. You're not going to feel like it. But you need some things you laugh over and talk to every day. Maybe it's the mortgage on your house. Maybe it's the, the payments on your car. Maybe it's a, a, a situation in your marriage. Maybe it's something in your body. I don't know what it may be. But I'm telling you, make an impossibility list and laugh over it and talk to it every day. And then when those things that are so big in your life that you need to laugh over them every day, when you cross those off, then get in here and tell us about it. We want to hear some of those testimonies. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just think about it, and probably you can make it, you know, you might write it down, but probably after a while you won't even need to write it down. It'll be there, and you can, you can just laugh over it every day. Well, that's in a sense what this woman was doing. I don't know that she was laughing, but she was, uh, she was in, a, in a state of constantly proclaiming the Word of God. And let, let me point this out. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. But uh, I wish I'd have gotten the reference I intended to, but I didn't. Been a busy few days here for us. But anyway, uh, um, Job said, and somebody may find the reference and tell me if you do, I'll, I'll give it to everybody. But Job said, at destruction and famine, we shall laugh. So that's why I say you need, a, you need an impossibility list to laugh at. Amen. Job said, at destruction and famine, 
we shall laugh. And you know Job's story, but you also know the end of Job. I mean, he, he was blessed with all the double. He, he, it was amazing what God did for him. So, so we want to laugh at destruction and famine. I know you don't feel like it. I know we don't feel like it. But that's one way to really put the devil back on his heels. But Job 5.22. So if you want that note, you can note that down. Job 5.22. At destruction and famine, we shall laugh. So this woman kept saying continually what she was believing. And, and I'm getting ready to close. Musicians, you guys can come up here. We're going to receive communion in a moment. But I want to say this as we close. Her confession was not for God's benefit. It was for hers. And it, her confession, though it was so God would hear, that's part of it. But it wasn't just for God to hear. It's important that the adversary hears. It's important the devil hears you. It's important that he hears your voice and hears you speak the word of God. Your voice is your spiritual identity card. Think about your driver's license. You can't get on a plane to fly, you know, any, you know commercial airlines without it. You're not going to do much in this world. You're not going to buy a major purchase, a house or something like that without identification. You must have it to even function in the natural world. Well, your voice is your spiritual identity in the spiritual dimension. It's your spiritual address. God's word in your mouth. Listen carefully. God's word in your mouth is God's word in your world. God's word in your mouth is God's word in your circumstances. God's word in your mouth is God's word in and over and concerning your body, your mind, your money, your family, and on and on. So I ask this question, what and who is hearing the voice of God through you. What thing, what circumstance, what situation is hearing the voice of God through you? And you may think, well, it's just my voice. And most of us really don't like to hear our own voice. But the truth is, when the devil hears your voice at whatever pitch it is, whatever, you know, whatever it's like, when the devil hears your voice speaking God's word, he forgets that that's your voice. He understands that's the voice of the one who kicked me out of heaven. That's the voice of the one who, de who defeated me totally, absolutely, and eternally. That's the voice of the God whose word has never failed and never can be altered. And who the very life of that God stands behind. And the devil has to know when he hears the voice of God, he can't do anything about that. He has to obey. So I ask the question again. What in your world is hearing the voice of God through you? Who in your world? What spirit entity or what situation is hearing the voice of God through you? Or even what person? Not that you're ordering people around, but... 
the gospel that you speak, the love that you show, all kinds of ways that God speaks through us. So when you begin to understand the power of this believing and speaking, the spirit of faith, confession, proclamation, and you learn the power of faith to the point that you're willing to laugh at impossibilities, and you will make sure that things and beings are hearing the voice of God through your voice, then you're on your way to miracles. That's, I'm sure, what, that, that's a big part of what got that woman out of the house. She was probably physically weak. She probably didn't feel like going anywhere but to bed. But the Word of God coming out of her began to move her toward the power. And that's where we're going next time, Lord willing. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to receive.